what I want to ask is, are you happy that it's the beginning of fall in the school year? Are you glad about that? Are you kind of sad about that? What's going on this last week with your emotions? Well, I'll say for the Arnold House, we have a joke that summer is our love language. And that's very oh, true. I love summer. <laughs> I love summer. Me too. It's a hard turn. Yeah. It's a hard turn in every way, especially at 6 a.m. Right? Yeah. The sun comes up later and you have to wake up earlier to get everyone ready and out the door. And it's hard. I love summer. I remember so much loving summer as a kid. So I have such compassion for my children that they have to make such a quick adjustment because I don't think they're two weeks ahead going, okay, got two weeks until school starts. What do we need to do? They're still in the, right? it's summer mode. So yeah. to have this instant, oh, school's tomorrow. Yeah, It, it feels so unkind. Yeah. It really does. I think I'm going to borrow your phrase that it's your love language. It's our love language too. But there's this wonderful new season on the horizon too, which feels good. Like we get a fresh start. We can try some things this year that we haven't tried all summer. We can have a routine. We can be responsible. (laughs) We can make our beds. So I think it's hard and a hard left turn and a lot of change at once. And it's also great. The first day they were in my house (laughs) and I was in my house and it was quiet. I was like, I love being in my house by myself. Friends, welcome to the Ransomed Heart Podcast here in September with three of my friends. We have Julie Musilli, we have Stacey Burton, we have Kelly Arnold in the studio this week and next. Um, just thinking about fall, thinking about the start of the school year, thinking about families, schools, kids. I know that reaches a pretty broad swath of our audience. Both men and women are affected by um, the change of the season and the return of school and different patterns and summer ending and all that kind of thing. So we just thought some conversation around that would be helpful. Let's just do a quick bio. Julie, how old are your boys? So they are nine and seven right now. So they're in? Third and second grade. Second and third. Mm -hmm. In a public school? A public school. Okay. Charter school. Yeah. And Stacey, yours are a little bit older. Yep. Um, Riley is 12, my girl, and Jake. Going on 18. Oh, my goodness. Ain't that the (laughs) truth? (laughs) 12 going on 18, and Jake, my son, is 13. So Riley's in seventh grade. Jake is in eighth grade. Yeah. Right. And what kind of school setting are they in? They're in a public middle school. Okay. Yeah. Same middle school? The same middle school. Yeah. Yeah. Kelly, what about your household? It's a little different. We have three. Um, Gray is 17, so he's a junior in high school this year. And he's doing uh, half traditional school. It's a a Christian school and half uh, homeschool. So he halves his day. Okay. And then Hope. So 17 going on 35. Oh, man. Yes. <laughs> going Jesus. on. Jesus. I don't want to be in the house Jesus. anymore. Because right? it's true. I'm older we than you. 
Yeah. We don't even pray anymore. We just say, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's a prayer. Yes, it is. So then we have Hope, and she's a ninth grader. So mm-hmm. she's her first year in high school. And then Chase is our um, our valiant seventh grader, who's 12. And, and wh- they're both in the Christian school. Okay. Private school. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And so, how's it going? What It's one or two weeks into school. What's the vibe? The vibe at our home is everything changes, of course. That's kind of obvious. Everything changes. So much more required of everyone, every day. And not just them, but so much more required of you. Oh, tell me. Of mom and dad. Right? Seriously, yes. The truest thing, though, about school beginning is... Um, it is a new beginning. It's got this hopeful anticipation of good things, and everyone's in a new grade, so it's new things, and parenting new people, and, you know, even the rituals of back to school, yep. you know, the buying school supplies and buying shoes and covering books and registering for classes we Which enjoy. you planned for that through the summer, right? You got the, all that taken care of. January. <laughs> Right? January, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. No panic. So no, yeah. <laughs> and Stace, what about you? What's how's the vibe in the Burton house? Well, I will say the beginning of each school year, birthdays are significant, but it feels like there's something about a new grade that just feels so pivotal in watching your children grow. Mm-hmm. It is very exciting, a little bittersweet, like, oh gosh, they're one year older. This year, we switched our kids into a new district that is closer to our home. Um, So there was a lot of sadness and anger from Jake and Riley because they had to leave their friends. It's hard. And that was two and a half weeks ago. Riley's involved in softball and Jake's meeting more people. So it was a really hard and rough beginning. And we had to keep remembering that we asked God about it and just trust that the move was the right thing. And we can already sense the goodness in the move, Mm -hmm. um, things we don't have to deal with, reasons why we move them, um, the ease of our lives right now. Still rough, still tears from Jake and Riley. Like, it's not easy. Middle middle school is not easy. No. Oh, dear. So, just a lot of compassion. And at the end of the day, just really trying to show them we love them. I think that's helping because they're smiling more. They're coming home Mm. more happy. Mm. So, we're getting there. Yeah. We're getting there. I want to come back to how you made that decision. But first, Jules, how's the vibe in the Musili household this fall? Yeah, it's good. This is the first year that both boys are in full day school. And it was the first year that no one was tantruming about going back to school. Oh. It's kind of like, okay, we have a few years under our belt. Nice. And they were both excited to go, which was wonderful. And I sent them off so happy, like, woo, now I have time to myself and they're excited to go. We didn't have tears in the morning or. Um, But then I did have tears later in the day. My littlest one, you know, we did the typical, like, take your picture first day of school. Took one with mommy, took one with daddy. And then as we're getting into the car, he got out of the car, ran to daddy and said, daddy, I just need one more hug. 
at the time I was okay, but later in the day I look, I took a picture and I looked at that picture and I just, it just got me. It's like there's something wonderful about being with my kids yeah. on these endless summer days and playing and I love it. And I'm not one of those moms who's like, I can't wait till they're in school. But then they went, and I thought, maybe I am one of those moms a little bit. Until um, I saw that picture later in the day, and there's just, it's both. It's angsty. It's exciting yeah. and thrilling, and it's its hard. One of my boys um, is uber responsible, and it could be we're still in the honeymoon phase of being back at school. But, I mean, he is he gets home. He gets his homework out. He has me sign it. He makes his lunch. He gets his clothes out. hes It's like too much. And then my other one... Um, Is he the oldest by chance? Yes. Uh, Josiah, my responsible boy. And then Braddock, he's still little. And so the adjustment of being in school all day, he is a mess when he gets home. And parenting, like holding the line on him, goes from, yeah, well, it's summer to, no, seriously, we have to be on him about everything. And just remembering they're tired, they're exhausted. I have no idea all that they are taking in in the day socially and educationally in every way. So it's all of that. Yeah. I'm also listening to our listeners as we're talking. And just to kind of clarify, your summers aren't spent at the beach for four or five months, right? Like you work outside the home. You also, you know, have responsibilities, et cetera. It's not, I, I just don't want to paint this idyllic picture of life on Ransomed Heart Island, right? <laughs> so what is going on for a mom's heart in particular with the start of the school year, with a new grade, with new schools? What does mom feel? You know, when our children were younger in elementary school, maybe the first couple of years of middle school, for me, it was all anticipation and hope and so all those things, excitement. And I loved it. Back to school night, meet the teacher, the whole thing. You know, it's new. It's like new, new backpacks, years. All new of lunch it. Lunchboxes. Right. Yeah. And they were excited. All, all three of our children, they enjoyed going back to school. And we shared in that. We celebrated. Let's go out. Now having two high schoolers, pretty much three teenagers in the house, that hopeful anticipation, if I'm honest, it would be something that I contend for. Mm. I do. Because? Because as they grow and they get older, it feels like sending them off, um, the stakes are higher. Yeah, they are. You know? We have great kids, and they have this fabulous inner life with God, and they're young, and they're vulnerable, and... Mom's hearts can go to fear in about five seconds. Mm. So it's kind of new to us. And I don't know, maybe even after they're in high school, oh, you do gosh. that. There was a sweet moment. Um, I think our listeners know that I'm a grandpa now, and technically poppy. Um, I have two darling little baby granddaughters. And one of their moms pulled me aside the other day and said, Dad, did you worry about your kids when they were young? I just looked at her and went, when they were young, like that never stops. Like the stakes just get higher. The the choices get more meaningful and significant, you know, the consequences, right? I'm like, darling, I'm I'm still worrying about you. 
Oh boy. So sweet. Yeah. So what what's a mom's heart feeling? So at dinner two nights ago, Josiah decides to tell us all the jokes he learned during recess. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, great, bring it, buddy. What do you got? Butts, farts. <laughs> what else? Uh, uh, you suck. Was in there, (laughs) and he—we don't say that word at our house. I mean, to our kids. So um, he's telling us this joke. He's just delighted. He thinks it's hilarious, (laughs) and we're like, "Uh, um, really funny, buddy. And it was—it was like a an inch of what you're talking about. Just that, like, oh, so you know, who who told you that joke? And. Did you happen to know that when you say that, it means this? And it's that little spark of, man, I do know a lot about their school. I know a lot about what goes on there. I volunteer there. I love it. And every year, there's more exposure to stuff that you just don't, you don't get to shelter them from. You don't get to be a part of. And it can inspire fear. And Mm. it also remind you that, wow, we have such a big job to do to equip them for the world that they are living in and mm. becoming more and more exposed to. So, you know, some people homeschool, maybe for these reasons. <laughs> <laughs> some people should never homeschool, and I'm one of those. I'd love to hear, how do you go about as a family making decisions about what school to go to? I know that's really big for people. You had a school change this year. Yeah. A district change. A district change. Holy Um, cow. How do you go about that? We live in an incredible city where we have pretty much the choice of any school, which is incredible, but it also makes life a lot more difficult than it needs to be. So we've really um, researched the schools and have been fortunate to put them where we want them to. Their elementary school, they Learned to speak French. Um, it was an immersion program. It was incredible. And parlez-vous français? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> and then the school they were at last year, the middle school, had an incredible, just hands-on curriculum. Hmm. They listened to this NPR podcast, and this principal came on, and she basically said, "No kid should be in middle school. They should be out in the fields working with their hands because they're not learning anyway. They're just—it's puberty and." They're not really concerned about what— I wish my parents would have heard that lecture. I like it. It was a brilliant statement. But we were foreseeing what high school would we send them to, the one near our home or the one that's really inconvenient but on track with the middle school. And my husband, Eric, and I were each on very different planes of which high school they should be sent to. I wanted them to stay with their friends. Eric thought— it really would make a lot more sense to send them to the high school near our home. It's a great high school. And so I was like, we have a few more months. And I spent a lot of this summer just talking to God about it, but trying not to worry too much about it. But one day in the middle of July, God said to send them to the middle school closer to our home. And I was really thrown by that, really thrown. Jake tried out for the fall play. He got in. They were both looking forward to so much stuff in this new school year, and I was just going to take all of that out from under them, and it felt cruel. So Eric and I spent a few weeks talking with God about it. Um, We were good friends with the new school's counselor, and so it really confirmed what God was telling us. And it just became a point of what we all deal with as parents. 
making a choice that they will not see to be the best one, but in parenting them and in trying to love them well, we made the choice to pull them out. And it was hard. Mm. It was so hard. Riley was in tears and Jake in his sobs just said, I trust you that you're making the right decision. Oh my. It was like so intuitive of him, but my heart just, I I hope it's the right decision too, God. (laughs) I really do. Right. So Kelly, your kids have gone through different options of schooling over the years, private, homeschool, you know, public, different things. How do you navigate that? How do you and Alan sort that through? Well, our oldest, he's a junior this year, and he came to us the end of his ninth grade year, and he didn't like school, kind of all of a sudden. And he's always been very articulate about things in his heart and things around. He's very aware. And so he came to us and said, I'm not learning I'm not enjoying, I'm not fitting in. And at first, Ellen and I thought, it's a hard year. You know, ninth grade's hard. Who Who is ninth grade not hard for? You know, it's the first year of high school. And honestly, we thought that it would blow over and we listened. Okay, okay, we pray. And, and it didn't go away. He continued to um, just know. He just knew. I, I'm not learning here. And this is a private school, so mm. it's not cheap. It's a mm. it's a sacrifice for us financially. So we prayed and um, kind of like Stacy, not with him, but just with each other. And um, we knew that the Lord was saying, he's right. And his solution was, I want to homeschool next year. And can I just tell you that our jaw hit the floor. Like, never, ever, ever, ever in any universe had we ever even thought or talked about that, ever. But, you know, it's one of those quickens of your heart when you kind of know where this is going. And so we pursued his heart in that, and we knew he was right. Gray is very, very, very highly creative, and the school system just doesn't accommodate that. He doesn't learn the way it's taught. So it wasn't a complete shock for us, mm-hmm. but I think we were hoping that he'd make it all the way through. <laughs> Please. We did it. And I'm telling you, it was a leap of faith to do that. I felt like I was studying for a master's degree. This quite was last like, year. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it was a tough year. He would say that too. We would all say that. It was tough. It was very clumsy. Um, but to answer your question, a big change is very disruptive. You know, the status quo, I think, sometimes feels really safe and good. And everybody's doing okay and everybody's happy and there's not a squeaky wheel at the moment. It yeah. changed our whole family dynamic. But his way is always better. Mm. It really is. God's way is always better. It's always better. And it's incredible how resilient the kids especially are with the challenge. Mm. It's true. Like anything, it just grows us all. Jules, how'd you guys choose a charter school? We were blessed to have some friends a few steps ahead that we watched. And the school near our home is a great school. It's awesome. But the junior high to follow little rough and the high school maybe even a little rougher. So I think we just rode our friends' coattails and said, wow, looks like a great school. We want to be a part of that. Lots of parent involvement and character education. And it's just nice and easy 
And to be honest, we watched you guys parent and I saw that things came up for each of your kids and you chose different things. And that made a big impression on me that, you know, it might not just be one and done. The school we chose, we we got on the wait list the day he was born, which seemed crazy to me. Right. Like, I don't know. I don't know what school, but just get on the list and then you have that option when it comes. And so far, it's going great. Every child may be different. Yeah. Every child may need a year at home. Yeah. As Stacy and I parented our three boys, we went through every permutation possible. I mean, we had one year where we had a child homeschooling. We had a child in private school, and we had a child in public school. And it was just because it was right for them. They've all been in a charter school at the same time, and they've all been in public school at the same time. So there were a lot of ebbs and flows. And to be honest, a lot of those choices were actually made around our lifestyle and and frankly, what was working for us. You know, the homeschooling thing helped us travel. Uh, so we did a, a, a year where they were all homeschooled because we knew there was a lot of travel coming up for Stacy and I in ministry and that sort of thing. Um, we're going to do a follow-up here, part two. But before we wrap up this episode, if you could just name what are the pressures that are facing kids now that you don't feel like you faced when you were going into second and third grade or seventh and eighth grade or as a high schooler? Like what feels different now? How would you name that? So last year, Josiah was in second grade. I think I'm a pretty laid-back person in general, and— Have you asked your friends about that? Well, I can be intense emotionally, <laughs> let's be honest. But when it comes to, say, making sure my kid's schoolwork is done, you know— Gotcha. Okay. And he didn't do well on a test. And come to find out, he cheated. And it, it worked for him because he did worse because he cheated than if he would have just— done what he knew, he would have had a better score. When the truth came out and we talked about, why didn't you just trust yourself? Why did you cheat? On and on and on. And then the stress the next couple of weeks of trying to earn back whatever status he had as a good speller, I was like, buddy, what is this about? It's okay. It's okay if you get a few words wrong. Tell me why you are so upset. I mean, tears over mm -hmm. a spelling test in second mm -hmm. grade. Yeah. And he said, Mom, if I don't do well on this test, then I won't get good grades. Okay. Well, we've talked about grades in our home. Like, it's okay. You know, e even our school puts out a thing saying, that's not the emphasis here. We're not going to focus on grades just in the subjects. We're also looking at character. We're also looking at how to be a good friend. He's like, well, if I don't get good grades, then I won't get a good job. And if I don't get a good job, I won't earn enough money. And I'm like, buddy. You're in second grade. Oh, my goodness. And I don't think it's coming from me. And I don't think it's coming from the school, but it is coming yeah. strong. Yeah. And in our city, we have had a high rate of teen suicide, you know, and you're trying to connect the dots of what can I do when my child is in second grade and they're feeling this pressure to prevent yeah. him from getting to a point yeah. where he can't handle life. Yeah. Okay, so higher levels of pressure connected to, I just want to go back to the story of applying for the charter school when your child is born, yeah. right? Like the culture 
of this aggressive, best education. Wow. Like, I get it because you need to these days, but holy cow, you know, what's different now? Riley, for example, wanted to play softball this year. Um, she's never played before. My kids haven't been involved in many sports growing up. And it's just extremely difficult to get on a team just to try it through school. So my heart kind of aches for her. She wants to do volleyball, but it's so competitive in the seventh grade. It's just like, oh, will she get a chance? The second thing that really struck me is my kids don't have phones yet. A lot of their friends do. They do have iPads, which they can text their friends. And we live about 20 miles out of the city. So it was a great way last year for them to connect to their friends who are far away. The brilliant thing is all of the text between their friends comes onto my phone. So I get to read through everything. And it's been brilliant and fascinating. However, a few weeks ago, I saw a thread of conversation about... Riley's friends talking about sexual identity. And they're entering into seventh grade. And it stunned me that in seventh grade, that is a topic that really needs to be dealt with. And the argument of needing to be politically correct for them, it was really important that the gender pronouns were said properly and not to offend. And I was just really struck because they're 12 years old. Right. You weren't thinking about that stuff when you were 12. No. And yeah. I, I look at all the teddy bears on Riley's bed. Like, it's, it's such a time of little girl and young woman. Yep. And yep. Oh, my goodness. You were trying to figure out if you should talk to a boy. And yeah. how to do it, let alone what yeah. gender you should call that person. I don't Or yourself, right? Because it's a choice now, in, in culturally, right? Yeah. It's a spectrum. I would say for us right now, it is technology. If I had my choice, I would put it all in the middle of my cul-de-sac and have a big bonfire. <laughs> right? I'm I coming over. I would. I would throw them all in. Our two oldest have a phone, and our third is, of course, begging every day, you know. They would say that we're very strict. We read all their texts. They don't have internet on their phone, you know, things like that. So we're kind of those parents. And honestly, monitoring that for three or two mm. is a part-time job. It's exhausting. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Not only does it take so much time, but... It puts them in situations that they're just not equipped to deal with yet. Mm -hmm. To have access to everything. Everything. Who wants that? Yeah. How is that a good thing? I'm going to pause this right there. And uh, we're going to pick this up next time, folks, because you can tell we're getting into um, some pretty big topics for families and parents, uh, single parents, grandparents that are parenting. So hang on. We're going to come back next time and, and pick it up from there. You've been listening to the Ransom Tart podcast this week with Kelly Arnold, Stacey Burton, Julie Musilli. Thanks for tuning in, gang.